0: Welcome to Flashpoint, the Fire Inside podcast, featuring leadership and team-building principles designed to ignite your inner fire and help you reach your full potential. On our program, you will learn from professional athletes, military and business experts, inspirational figures, leaders in the fire service, and other top achievers who have reached the pinnacle of success in their chosen fields. And now your host, international speaker and best-selling author, Frank
1: Viscuso, and this is exciting. I mean, I'm here with uh, with Chief Rick Lasky, and Chief, let's talk leadership.
0: Oh, it's it's first of all, it's an honor to be here with your brother, and um, you know, uh, I I consider you a good friend, and uh, love what you do, and uh, I love hearing all the positive feedback when I travel somewhere, saying we just had Frank here, we got Frank coming, and God, he knocked it out of the park, or this and that, and just you know. Because you and I, uh, we travel enough to where once in a while you might follow someone that wasn't that way, you know, and you hear about it. But uh, uh, you're doing some great stuff, brother. Hats off to you. A lot of great stuff going on.
1: I appreciate you saying that. You know, what's really cool is I feel like I'm on tour with you because everywhere I
0: go, I hear the same thing. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Either Chief Lasky was just here or he's coming. Well, see, I pay him for
0: that. I When I leave, I pay him. I said, you got to say, you know, when Frank gets here, You know, say some nice stuff. So. <laughs> no,
1: no, believe me. You know I'm a fan of yours. So I'm going to talk about that uh, as we go on because Pride and Ownership, uh, I've often have, I've told you this personally, but it's it's my favorite book, Fire Service uh, Leadership book. And oh, thanks, and, and it really, it, it kind of paved the way for me personally because, uh, you know, when I read that book, I thought, you know what, there's a lot of stuff that I believe in that's here. And there's a lot, I have a voice too, and I kind of want to share my voice as well. And I didn't know, quite honestly, if the fire service was going to listen to that, my voice, or if they were going to say, yeah, this guy doesn't really know what he's talking about. Because I mean, I've achieved success in areas of my life, but I sat here and I thought, well, this is something that I feel needs to be said. And you never know how people are going to respond to that. And I'm grateful that there's been a positive response. But you,
0: you well, Really, real quick, your, the, your title grabs, I mean, I can't tell you how many times in my lifetime you know, I've been traveling to teach for over 30 years out of my like 40 something years, that I'm always like, it's time to step up. It's time to step up and, and you know, be an adult, step up, act your, I, I use a fr- phrase, act your wage. You yeah. know, step up and act your wage. I did an article on it a while back. You know, step up, You know, it's like step up, leave from the front, step up. And it was just, it's a perfect title because it grabs you. And, and you can apply it like you have to so many different areas, you know, whether it's strictly team building, whether it's strictly mentoring, whether it's the whole leadership scenario, it works out wonderfully. So I feel bad because I really wanted to do, you know, I know you'd asked me to, you know, to consider doing the forward for the first one. And I, yeah. could, You know how it is when you get so jammed up, you're like, I, I, I got so much stuff going on and you don't want to delay somebody's, especially their first book. They're, they're so crazy fired up about it so I apologize about that but no
1: don't don't even worry about that
0: it's a great lead and a great title buddy it grabs you
1: yeah I appreciate that and uh, you know it's funny for that book I don't recall if I even had the title until I was near probably three quarters done with it because for me it was about the content the content the content and then all of a sudden at some point and this is how it works for me a title just hits you and it sticks with you yeah. And that's what that one did for me, but uh, but I want to talk about you, Chief. I want I want to know a little bit about about you know what it was like growing up, like what your your childhood was like, and what led you to the fire service.
0: Well, well, led me do the fire service is kind of an easy uh, uh, answer. Is my dad? My dad just passed away this last Father's Day. I was with him, hold his hand. My dad, mm. eighty eight, a Marine a sergeant, of Marines in Korea. Uh, I grew up in a firehouse. I can never. I can never not remember being in a firehouse. Uh, I always tell the story. I peed I peed on my first fire chief. Dick Dick Fischata, uh, was a captain with my dad, and my dad was assigned a fourth of July detail. And um, my mom went to look at some craft or something like that, some booth, and she handed you know me to my dad, and then my dad, they caught a run, so he handed me to to you know, then Captain Vishada, you know, and and anyway, Dick Dick Fischata, Chief chief I can't even call it dick. Um, uh, great, great man. Um, he's got kids, right? And he knew I needed to be changed. So, and you know, you know, you've got, <laughs> especially with boys, uh, when you go to change them, when you go to change that diaper, if you don't cover up the smoothbore nozzle, you're going to get nailed right <laughs> in the chest. And I nailed them. So leap forward a lot of years and we're we're getting sworn in and he pins my badge on me, he over, shakes my hand, he leans forward, he goes, Lasky, you pissed on me once. Don't think you're gonna do it again. I said, Chief, I trust me. I'm not gonna do it again. But uh, for me, I fell in love with it early, dude. I did. I, my dad, I couldn't get enough of the fire service, you know. And then I was stuck between watching Adam Twelve, wanting to be Jim Reed from Adam Twelve, or wanting yeah. to be my, my 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 friend Randy Mantooth, Johnny Gage from Emergency. And I remember getting in trouble in sixth grade, uh, fifth grade, Missus Humphrey's class uh wonderful teacher you know the ones that you never remember to thank for making a difference in life till they're gone yeah she looked like the crib keeper but she was wonderful um i got sent to the principal's office because i and i have it sitting on my desk here still today i brought in the it was the first pocket four channel crystal scanner ever made it was one made by realistic uh, radio shack realistic i have it sitting here and i had it in my desk and i you know remember the metal desk with the wood lid yeah. and it's quiet time. We're supposed to. All of a sudden, from my desk, you hear. And uh, she's like, "What is that?" In uh, here, the fire department. We follow at the next fire. I'm like, so they call my dad. My dad's like, "Was he in a fight? Did he bring a, a knife?" To him? she goes, "No, he, he brought." She goes, "Oh, tell him to turn it off." You know. So anyway, it was my dad. My dad got me involved in the fire service, and I got to go to calls with him. Uh, I got to watch my old man fight fires. My dad was a roofer. I was a roofer. So. That makes us both truckies and uh I got to watch my dad I, w- I watched my dad make, make a rescue at a nursing home uh I was roofing with him as a little kid and you know he comes off the roof this is when they brought their gear home with him he goes come on we got to go Colon- colonial manor nursing Home are on 9th Avenue and we're like two blocks from there we pull up there's fire out the first floor smoke out the second floor and they're all yelling about some old lady on the second floor and he throws I've got a picture of my brother uh Talk about him in a second, wearing my dad's leather helmet's boots when he little. My dad throws that leather helmet on, coat, truckman's belt, which is like synonymous with Chicago Fire Department. His boots, throws a roof, I can hear the sirens, I could hear the cue sirens, but he throws a roof and ladder up there, climbs up there, disappears into smoke with, by the way, a cigar in his mouth, for which he said <laughs> he used to filter out the smoke. So he climbs in, comes out, seemed like an hour, comes out seconds later with this old lady, Frank, over his shoulders, like a bundle of roofing shingles. And carries her down. And see, the fire service to Rick before that was all about the red light sirens, and bells, right? Remember when you were a kid and the fires you go down the street and you, you, the ground would almost vibrate and all that? Mm-hmm. But it changed for me, uh, buddy, that moment because I'm like, that's my daddy, man. That was my – it was still the excitement about this, the sirens and the bells and the horns, but that was my daddy. So, buddy, I was hooked. I was hooked from that point forward.
1: That's crazy. We have similar uh, story in that aspect of with my dad being a firefighter as well. And see, we lived on a, on a relatively busy street, but we lived just three houses in from one of the busier streets in town. And and you couldn't go through the intersection. You went down. You had to turn right or left. So of course the the we lived right on the street that our fire station was <laughs> on. So the fire state the fire engine would come down and blast the siren as loud as it can right in front of our house every time to let everybody know they're turning right or left. So we'd always run to the window, me and my brother, and look out and see what's going on. Like we're going to see the fire right there. So, so it was fun. And you oh. said uh, your, your brother, was your brother a firefighter?
0: No, my uh, uh, my, my brother uh, passed away when he was nine. My brother, uh, the reason I'm where I'm at today is for a couple people. Um, my brother was eight. I was 12. I uh, uh, he got diagnosed with inoperable brain tumor. He'd be alive today with medical science, but and um, anyway, uh, long story short, uh, 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 he uh, he ended up sick, and he ended up uh, he was supposed to live for three months. Live for eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, we shared the same bedroom uh, to, to you know you know obviously in uh, Chicago, and he woke up having a nightmare saying Ricky Dolan had put me in a wooden box, me in the coffin, and he he didn't know he was sick. He thought he needed glasses because he was getting blurred vision. And I panicked, you know, there weren't counselors back then, you know, and instead of staying home with them every second I could, I stayed away every second I could, which I know I'm supposed to forgive myself, but it still haunts me till today. And I started hanging out with firefighters' kids that were, you know, from my dad's firehouse, they were older than me. And uh, I do a leadership program, Building Tomorrow's Leaders and Successors. And one of the segments I do is for middle schoolers and high schoolers. and And I talk about this, about for the next two, three years, I went on a rampage that we broke into houses. We burglarized houses. We stole cars. We did all kinds of, I got I had handcuffs put on me. I can't tell how many times. And, uh, finally a cop named Frank Sinicky. Uh, he's passed on now, but, uh, a dispatcher, Joni told him "Whenever all the other cops had given up on me, you know, the little scumbag kid. Uh, she said, I think he's a good kid. He just needs someone around him. Cause when my brother got sick, my parents split, my dad had a hard time. God bless him. And you know, a drinking problem. With you know, when you lose a child, and uh, uh so anyway, he, he I remember him bringing me to the station. I'm handcuffed. I'm God, what was I, almost 15 years old. And, uh, he brings me in, and he throws the handcuffs down the table. He goes sit down, and he turns around, and yells at me. Now, typical Chicago or New Jerseyese. He starts dropping the f bomb a bunch of times, and he says, "The only way I'm going to keep you from going to f in jail is by making you a, a police cadet." And I go. I don't think so. I'm gonna be a firefighter. He says, no, I don't think you understand. You, you we're starting this new program with the Boy Scouts called the Explorers. Monday night, 6 p.m. is our first, I need uniform sizes. I said, no, I'm not. you don't do this. You go to the Audi home right now. So I said, all right, here are my sizes. I'll see you Monday night. And aside from a couple minor scrapes, you know, kids get in fights in school and stuff. I never got in trouble again and became an Explorer when I was 15, both police and fire. And that was it. And, and uh, I always talk about my brother being my guardian angel you know, that things happen for a reason. And I had to, I always talk about, you got to put your hands in the manure before you get to the Rose, right? In the Rose garden. And, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he sent me a lesson that took me for the rest of my life, you know, but, uh, Mm -hmm. and he would have probably been Frank a million times better anything in life than I ever was. He, he wanted to be a firefighter too, but as smart as he was, he would have been like a scientist or a doctor or something, but, uh, uh, but that, yeah, uh, my dad and, and, uh, uh, just, he got me rolling, man. He got me into it. And, uh, uh I've never looked back. Now, I that's was a, a cop for a while, but I mean, that, that wasn't his fault. So. Yeah.
1: Well, my, my brother did the same thing. He started out, uh, as a police officer and then, then they came calling for the fire department and. Well, and,
0: and it, it, yeah, as well as weird things, I'm in high school and, I'm you know, I played, I was obviously a jock playing all the sports and, uh, I was a catcher and uh, I, I made a mistake. I turned out a full ride University of Missouri to go play catcher to go play with the Chicago White Sox. Dave Dombrowski, who was the GM for Boston and the Marlins, uh, he was the pharmacist. All my paperwork is signed by Dave. Uh, he was the pharmacist administrator. and So I did that, which I shouldn't have. I should have went to school first. And Ron Kittle was my good friend. He's with the White Sox, big PR guy. Uh, was a big, big ball player. Um he i'd never been out of chicago i would never been on an airplane and uh i got in a plane and right away we met and we ended up rooming together and he just took care of me so i was always playing catch-up in illinois you got to be 21 to be a career firefighter police officer so I, in between seasons i went to paramedic school and i went to a police academy and while i was waiting to get hired as a full-time firefighter paramedic they hired me as a cop and i tell people frank i wasn't very good as a cop because my first year i got shot stabbed and burned and uh, and I and my FTO says last you suck so bad you got shot through the windows at a police station. <laughs> another story for another time. But uh, but obviously I'm very partial to law enforcement and to dispatch. But uh, uh, things, like I said, everything happens for a reason.
1: Well, no doubt. And and I actually love your story because it just shows uh, that that people deserve that second chance. You know, people des- and adversity happens in all of our lives.
0: Well, and Frank, I've got a picture real quick. But I'm sorry to inter- interrupt. No, you. No, go. Friend. In my PowerPoint presentation, you know, like you, I, we use them as, they're like accents. You know, we don't, yes. peep people together a PowerPoint, but there's a picture, it's a black and white photo from that, you know, for all, well, all those police officers, the, you know, all the big white shirts and detectives and row, row, row. And I, I point to the picture when I, I do a lot of, like you, a lot of classes for law enforcement and and especially them, because they forget the impact they have on people. Because yeah. it's hard after a while, you know, with people always hating you. And uh, I'm going, okay, that guy arrested me for driving out my, my driver's license twice. That guy arrested me for burglary. That guy for stealing a car. That guy arrested me for climbing up the water tower and painting on it. That guy arrested me for breaking into a box. I go through this whole thing, and there's a big red arrow pointing to this guy in the back, and I have the word saved above it. And I said, that guy back there, Frank Sinicki, that young brand-new cop, was one for him, you know, a lot of people take saved back to the church, I guess, in a roundabout way, that's what he did for me because, you know, and and – yeah, there was a lesson there. So, and if I, if it weren't for him, uh, I wouldn't be here today. You know, who I, knows what I'd be
1: doing. It's awesome. It's an awesome story. And uh, most of my friends uh, and people that even follow me uh, through the books and stuff know that I also have a passion for coaching. That's the exact reason why. Because somebody asked me the other day, uh, I was at, about a month ago, I have a travel team and we had a kid that was, uh, whose parents were we're contemplating coming over to our team and we had a conversation and she talked to me about what I can do for her son that he maybe wasn't getting out somewhere else. And I said, I said, listen, here's the reality. I want your son to be successful, but here's the reality. I'll have no idea if I'm successful at achieving that until 20 years down the road. That's what my focus is. So Am I focused on making him a better baseball player? Absolutely. That's why I'm here, but I want him to have integrity, grit. I want him to have all the tr- qualities and traits he's going to need to be successful in life because for me, it's transferable. If I can teach my kids and young kids, like you spend time with the explorers and, and as do I, but like if we coach,
0: coach girls softball for a long time.
1: Yeah. Right. When you and your, your daughter was very successful. Uh, right? She played oh,
0: yeah. for quite a bit. D1, D1 player, state champion, Texas 5A. She did great.
1: Yeah, and that's awesome. And we had a conversation about this a while ago. I tell, you know, <laughs> the, the one thing that was pretty cool uh, about the COVID in 2020 was, although it shut down, I mean, I, I probably lost uh, 20 speaking engagements. With, with travel included, that's uh, 40 more times that I'm home that I wouldn't have been. Well, those 40 times I was home... And all the other times, what were we doing? We were going down and playing baseball, me and my boys.
0: Well, and let me ask you, is it bad of me, Frank? My granddaughter is not even a year old and this was her first Christmas and I bought her a little tea set, a little, <laughs> so we can work off the tea, right? Cause baseball players, softball players do more tea work than they do in the cage. So a- absolutely, I have to prop her up in my lap on the floor and help <laughs> her hold a little bat. And we're working, you know, we're working on, on driving, you know, are working on, you know driving it driving straight through so you know she's only nine months but or ten months but it was seven i'm sorry nine so we'll, we'll get her there but Anyway,
1: it's, <laughs> it's never too early it's never too early so uh you have a, a great career in a fire service um pride and ownership yes as i mentioned earlier i love the book i love the title thank you now where did it come from? Was was this something that you said? First of all, just the package overall. I mean, did you say, "Hey, I want to write this book," or was just just something that you believed in and you were kind of piecing together as you were going through your journey in the fire service?
0: You know, it was pieced together, but there was never a program. It's kind of funny about this, where you know, like you, I've got a ton of programs. Pride ownership. I always tell people happened on accident. There was no pride ownership. It was a rant I had, <clears throat> and um. So for the for the it was me getting on my soapbox about just people not loving it. This is the coolest job in the world. Volunteer career it is the coolest thing in the world. Yep. How could you be miserable? Look, we all have our bad days, weeks, even months. I've been there. But how can you be miserable doing the little kids want to be you when toys r us was a business there was a whole aisle full of toys dedicated to us no disrespect but there wasn't a whole aisle full of ups trucks it wasn't like hey frank delivery truck driver they want to be you know they run to the curb to see the fire they point to two things the ice cream truck and the fire truck they don't point to the delivery truck you know and i just it drove me nuts that there were people that could treat this fire service thing like crap but anyway so back for when, when, uh, I've been with the fire engineering since 1995, uh, Bill Manning gave him my start as, edit, as an editorial advisor since then, you know, reviewing articles and that. And when they, when Penwell bought FDIC 96, I've been on the advisory board since then. And, uh, you know, w- when we're picking classes and keynote speakers and award winners and all the different things, we that's what we do in those. It's, it's an honor to be part of that group. And like I said, I've been doing it since 96 and, uh. So Peter Hodge, mayor Peter, Jersey guy, he was he was running FDIC at the time. And he calls me and he says, hey, Billy wants to know if you do the opening keynote at Indy uh, you know, this year in April and uh February this year because they were remodeling the convention. It was February of 2001, obviously before 9-11. And I said, well, yeah, I'm a good soldier. What's he want me to do it on? He goes, he wants you to do it on that ding you do. You know, because you Jersey guys don't say ding. You say ding, right? Yeah. And he goes, (laughs) goes, uh, or you say add R to everything. I have an idea. I always tease you. I got an idea. And they tease me about being from Chicago on my accent, you know, but – Anyway, so I said, all right, I'm a good soldier. What's he doing? He goes, hey, he wants you to do that thing you do. I said, well, I goes, you know, when you get your soapbox, you bitch about people who don't care about the job and chiefs that don't care about their people and company companies don't train their guys and firefighters just there for the t-shirt, the pager or the paycheck. And I went, Pete, they don't want to listen to an Italian Polak from Chicago, which I always say I am Italian Polish because I have a real bad temper. I forget what I'm mad at, but they don't want to listen to me get up there and, and you know, bitch and complain. He goes, no, we need it. He goes, we have lost our toll hold on the traditions of the fire service. We... We don't talk shop anymore. We don't hang the pictures on the walls. You know, you walk in the firehouse, you see the black and white photos, a guy standing next to the rigs, and fire chiefs are scrubbing the walls sterile and people don't take pictures. I said, okay, I'll do it. He goes, but here's the catch. He goes, I know all your keynotes are off the cuff of the heart. You're right, right. I've never written a keynote down, except for this. I've never, you know, like I you know, hey, I, you know, when you come to our banquet, all right, I maybe write a couple notes on a napkin while they're talking, but I've never done it. It's just me. He says, you, you got to write down. We have, you know, there's almost 5,000 people out there. There's the teleprompters. We have tell Linda, the teleprompter lady in the back. And so on the airplane, Frank, I wrote something down. This is what I thought about, right ownership. And I handed her to that morning. And I tell people, if you watch the video, it's kind of funny because when Bill introduced me, I walked out. And I I'm, you and I are both not podium people, unless we have to. You know, unless right. we, stay there. Yeah. we tend to wander and engage. Like, you're very engaging with your audience. It's one of the reasons they love you so much. But um so I walked out and I read the first three lines off the teleprompters and I walked away. And the first thing, all the video people said, "Oh crap, we got a walker. And now they had to put their <laughs> like lattes down and their tea and actually told me. And I, brother, I forgot, I forgot what I said. I, I, people came up and I said, what, what I, I, know this, I had to apologize uh, to three people. I had to write letters of apology. Diane made me do it. Diane Rothschild. I had to write a letter to uh, Walmart, Sears and Subway because I, there's one point i get to the end of the stage i go if you don't love this job and if you don't want to take care of your brothers and sisters then get the hell out go work at walmart you can stock shelves all day for five and go home at five and not give a damn about the job everybody stood up and cheered so side to of to right walmart said i'm so sorry we shopped there all the time you're a great store you take care of your employees i'm so sorry wow <laughs> but that was it there was never so that was pride ownership and then you know everything kind of broke down you know into topics which became a program and i didn't want to do the book i actually refused to do the book i said i'm not, I'm not doing a book on it and uh another story behind that but anyway uh i said i could do it well jerry nayless another jersey guy i know uh, jerry and a fellow mason when he took over books he called me right away the moment it wasn't even announced he was taking over he says you know, I'm asking you, I'm gonna call the brother card on you with the mason thing. We're both masons, and uh, I said okay. So we did the book, and uh, you know, I had actually done the whole 12 month part series the year before that because I said I'll do this series with the magazine, but I'm not doing no-. and it. And I was, I'll tell you real quick the re- reason I wasn't going to do the book is I was supposed to do another book with them. I had a contract, and another guy doing books let someone else take my program. Took my program. And published a book. Used my lesson plan as their. This is what I want to do it on. Just white it out my name, and I mm. was pretty upset about it. And uh, I got an apology letter, you know, um, but you know that that's all wandering under the bridge. And I, I always say, like you say, things happen for a reason. I don't think pride and ownership would have came about if I that had to happen. So I actually need to thank that guy next time I see him. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, maybe sometimes so it I'm was. A,
0: it was an accident, but it was all an accident.
1: You know, you you said how about they weren't putting pictures up in a firehouse and things like that anymore. It's interesting you say that because, and I'm sure you do the same thing, but when I travel and I walk into a fire station for the first time, you could tell if they have pride, right? Immediately, you can tell. And one of the things you talk about in your book that's been a topic of conversation a few different times was that each company should have or design their own logo because of something to be proud of. I love that idea. And and somebody once said to me, "Yeah, but we're all part of one team." I said, "I understand that. I understand that. But if you're on a football team, the defense needs to have pride in the defense, just like the offense has to have pride in the offensive. Both of them have to think that they're there to win the game."
0: Frank, how many how many classes? You I know you do classes for the military as well. Yeah, don't don't every every different section within the army has their own patch. Has their yep. own, you know, uh, my good friend, uh, Bruce Crandall, for, for your listeners, uh, if you're a fan of We Were Soldiers with Mel Gibson, yep. Bruce Crandall was Snake. He's the helicopter pilot. And uh, we met, it was just a chance thing. I don't know if I have time to tell you a story. It's like a quick story, but um, uh, it became friends. He's a Medal of Honor recipient. But he had his Snake logo on the side of his Huey helicopter, and he made all those runs back and forth being shot up and everything else. And every time he would land to, to take over a new helicopter, you know, bringing the dead wounded back and bring in fresh troops and ammunition, he would leave till they took the doors with his snake logos, all shot up doors. They would take his doors off and put them on another helicopter. He would take off. Wow. And he always taught. you was, that's how passionate he was about his logo, his pride. He's said, So they're taking shot up doors off one helicopter, slinging them on the other one. He's taken off. Um, you
1: know and by why, the way just to talk about him for a minute what an unbelievable mission that he had well, well and, and if I can yeah so
0: I, I don't get giddy like you I don't get giddy over a lot of people I'm, people know I'm friends with Travolta I helped him with ladder 49's been in my firehouse a bunch of times that I got a lot of NHL buddies a lot of baseball players like you do that you know you know it is what it is you're like they're great people they're friends but I got giddy over two people in my life. Charlie Pride, who just passed away. I love mm. that man. And Bruce Crandall. So I'm, I'm on my way to teach a class at 29 Palms, the rink you know, for the Marines out in California. And I'm reading the American Airlines magazine, Frank, and they're talking about the honor flight they do for the Medal of Honor recipients every year. Yep. You know how it is. When somebody receives the Medal of Honor, they bring about 10 of the old heads there to the White House reception. And they each take a time talking about passing along their advice, you know, about values. And I'm reading this article. There's Bruce Crandall in his suit and tie with his Stetson, you know, you know and he's telling, oh God, was it Kyle Carr? I'm trying to think of this sergeant that was just received his medal. Anyway, he's telling them, and they're they're talking about what he's telling them, you know, about values in your life and how you lead your life. And at one point he says, you know, he's talking about you know, like you do. You know, what you need is as your your tenants or your you know your principles, your foundation, core values are everything. Without integrity, nothing else matters. And he, he's talking about representation. And he says, you know, and he says, you know, that, that's pretty incredible. What you did to to earn that medal is pretty incredible. He says, uh, do, you, do you know what's what's uh, which medal is harder to earn than that one? And I'm thinking, what? Well, it's the medal of honor. What do you mean? What are you talking about? And he flips his lapel. Over his uh, suitcase over Frank and he's got a good comic medal he says right there he goes that's three years of perfection that was just three years that one's the rest of your life you represent and he went through and I was I was like and this is I forgot you could take the magazine they want you to take the magazine I ripped the page off like I was sneaking out there. her <laughs> I get there I'm, I'm, I'm changing my powerpoint so the next day I got the marines and some sailors my son was actually stationed there at the time and uh I go you know how marines are, I love them but I'm like okay I know this is a soldier. Beat me up now. So I'm explaining. I'm talking about So anyway, I do the whole story. I use that picture. So two days later, I'm flying. I fly up to Seattle to do a program. I'm leaving Sunday morning at SeaTac, and I'm waiting to get on the plane, you know, up there, you know, with the, the first group. And I look over, Frank, and this guy walks up next to me, and it's Bruce Crandall. And he's got this little dog, Huey, a little service dog, and he's got his Stetson. I call my wife. I go, and I swear to God, I'm like, I'm like out of it. I go, honey. She goes, what's wrong? I said, Bruce Cranley just what? You know Bruce Cranley? I about Bruce I just, I just, I, was just like, she goes, calm down. You look like an ass. I go, no, it's Bruce Cranley. Oh my God, I, I am going to climb. They put him on a plane. I'm going to climb over seats to get to him. Oh my God, this is like. She goes, calm down. Take a breath. I go, I am, I am. I am. So I get on a plane, Frank. I turn the corner, right. I'm sitting in six feet. He's sitting right next to me. Ah, oh, you can't so, beat it. And and you remember remember Chris Farley when he would do the Chris Farley show and he's like with Paul, with Paul McCartney you, you remember when you were with the Beatles <laughs> yeah. that was awesome <laughs> I grabbed his hand and I, I wouldn't let go I said Colonel Craig was Bruce. I know, no sir Colonel Craig my name's is Rick Lasky I was on the fire I said sure you wouldn't believe I just you know and you, you, and you remember you remember when you were at the White House you remember, you remember, and I'm doing this thing and I go you remember when you said you know it's most difficult there in that it is and you take your lapel and you flip it over and it was the good kind I said damn he goes you mean this one. He had it out on the airplane under his lapel. That's awesome. And Frank, we sat four hours. I sat like this and he talked the entire time and told me things. I was in tears. Sometimes he told me things I'd never heard about what went on. Just, you know, and that was it. Okay. Pet pals, friends, and he's, he's a great man. And, uh, Great leadership lesson
1: there. Well, I'll tell you, it is a great leadership lesson. I remember one time I had a delay, fl- and you travel a lot. You know this happens. Your flight gets delayed, 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 canceled. Now you have to take a flight the next morning at 6 a.m. I was in one of those uh, situations, and my wife was unhappy. I was unhappy because I wanted to get home that night before. But certainly the next morning I go to the airport, and it's an honor flight. Not the flight I'm on, but there's an honor flight that's right there and I'm thinking this couldn't be a better experience for me oh. to stand as they're coming down this line and thanking every one of them but I want to tell you this because I know you're passionate about this I'm passionate about this too anytime I see a veteran and my wife we're having dinner and I say an Italian restaurant it's a pizzeria but when the pizza's really good we're going to give it the title restaurant so it's an <laughs> Italian restaurant there's a gentleman over there at the other table and he's wearing a hat served in the navy My dad served in the Navy. I go up and I say, sir, I just want to say thank you for your service. Have a quick conversation with him. I sit down and my boys, four and seven, four and six, actually. And um, my boys, my older one says, daddy, who is that? I said, I I don't know. "Why'd Why'd you shake his hand? I said, well, because that man's a veteran. And to the best of my ability, I explained what they mean to me and why I always shake their hands. So my youngest one at four, Nicholas says, can I shake his hand? I said, yeah. When we leave, we'll shake his hand again. And we did. Well, about maybe, and tell me this isn't a cool. I'm speaking up at West Point, right? My wife calls me. She says, you'd be so proud of Nicholas. Now he's five now. Right. I said, uh, I, I am proud of Nicholas. She goes, but you'd be real proud of what he just did. I said, what did he do? She says, well, we're walking down the aisle in a supermarket and he sees a man wearing a hat and recognizes he's a veteran. He walks right up to him without me saying a word. He walks right up to him, looks up and says, sir, reaches up and says, thank you for your service. (laughs) So the man shakes his hand, looks at my wife and says, I don't know what you're doing to raise your boys, but you're doing something right. But the lesson there that I took away was I never told him to do it. I just did it and told him why I'm doing it. And, it made me really start to think about, well, here I am. I'm a leader in the fire service. I'm a deputy chief in the fire service. I have to make sure that when I'm sitting at the kitchen table with these firefighters and young officers, that I'm setting the right example all the time. And and that's because they're always watching. It's like, like I said to someone the other day, I feel like being a leader in the fire service, I feel like you're kind of like a dad or a mom, if you're a female, but you know, these are my children. I don't treat them like children, but I treat them in a sense, like they're my children, meaning I want to set the right example all the time. Is that the way you felt?
0: Oh, absolutely. And it's just, you know, and, and we talk about this all the time and both of our, uh, uh, the programs we do is they're watching you. You said it, they're watching, you can't be firefighter, Rick or Frank, anymore every 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 rung you climb on that ladder responsibility brings with it just that much more responsibility maturity you can't tell the same jokes you can't act the same way you've got to mature and not not on a boo boo but fire service maturity and they are watching you and and it's like you said something very important it is parenting and i used to say you know we talk about the supervisor manager, leader and you have some people say well when you talk about supervision well i'm not their babysitter i'm like well, actually you are. I mean, we make a, an official title of supervisor, but that's what you are. <clears throat> I mean, when you see somebody else's kids acting out, doing the wrong thing, whatever, just act, it's not very, you know, you, you follow ugly kids, so you find ugly parents. I mean, you don't have to go very far to see where the source is. And it's the same thing in the fire service. You know, you work for the buffoon, you work for the captain or lieutenant that doesn't want to train their people, doesn't give a, you know, shows up last minute, doesn't care, sloppy uniform, which all the signs that just show you who they are, you know, sometimes you breed more of them. You sleep with a dog, you get fleas kind of stuff. I mean, you know, you're hoping that some of the other guys and gals are like rising above that. But I think a lot of the success a lot of people see in life, let's just talk to fire service, depends on who you worked for, who were your leaders, and, and what, what did you pick and take from them? Because, right, we all take bits and pieces from everybody as we travel. I thank God I had Bill Allen for a lieutenant, because if I had this, I won't say his name, this other guy, I, I think I still would have been a better person, but oh my goodness, you know, and I feel bad, Frank, you see it in class for the people that just, they walk up, they're like broken because they work for a bad boss, you know, it's like having a, it's when we see kids that were raised by bad parents, it's the same thing. Oh, I agree with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's huge.
1: And that happens a lot where you know we have this unique perspective that I wish I had earlier in my career when you do a lot of traveling and you go into these fire departments and you're always having lunch or dinner with a, a group of firefighters that have brought you out or wanna spend time. And so you always hear all the good and the bad that's happened throughout the country. And I, and so a lot of times what, what I was trying to bring back to my department was to say, hey, look, I have a perspective that's a uh, it's expanded greatly since before I started doing this and and I can tell you the grass isn't greener the grass isn't greener elsewhere matter of fact any problem that you have anyone that's listened to this podcast any problem that you have at your firehouse it's probably happening in 90 percent of the fire stations across the country
0: or it did you know? 10 years ago or it's going to happen you know it's, it's, it's right gigantic circle right
1: Right, it's a circle. So it's not a question of thinking you have it bad. It's about what can we do to make it the best we can. So the first thing is this. Again, when I walk into a fire station and I see pictures on a wall that show pride, and I see that, and whatever it may be, some people have pictures of, of their um, uh, class classes of the new firefighters, or, or maybe they built a plaque and donated it or whatever it may be, or maybe it's their current firefighters show pride. And I see that, and whatever it may be, some people have pictures of, of their um, uh, class classes of the new firefighters, or, or maybe they built a plaque and donated it, or whatever it may be, or maybe it's their current firefighters. Um, I just came back to uh, from from uh, Noblesville, Indiana, and in Noblesville, Indiana, uh, Jody Monroe is a great artist. You've seen her work on social media, I'm sure. And I and I looked around. I said, "How many of your stations have?" have um, paintings from Jody Monroe, because her husband's a fire officer with that organization. And they said, one, I said, I'd have them in all. She's part of the family. I'd have them in all, but because because we have one in our station in New Jersey, you should have them all in, in Indiana, but have that pride. And you create that. And I think a lot of people don't understand this, is they don't understand that no one else is going to come in. We always go in and we rescue people. We save people. No one's going to come in and save your work environment. You have to do that. Right. Right?
0: Well, exactly. And take it a step further because, you know, we're both big believers on if it looks, tastes, and smells like a firehouse, it probably is. You know, if you right. that. but I always told say, I said, now that's the first step. The pictures and the logos are like you stuck it on the rig or the front of the firehouse and you put a picture up. That's fine. Now take me on the floor. Show me your tools. You know, show me the stuff that you work with every day, that you go to different calls with. How, you know, it's, it's easy to go, okay, good. Now we put that up on a wall. That's, a, you know, and you don't have to ever pay attention to it, you know. But show me what you use every day. Show me the cab of your engine, you know, your ladder. You know, are you keeping it clean? Are your tools kept? Are you wrapping them? You know, your gear, show me, you know I mean, I had a mentor of mine tell me a long time ago, you know, you can walk into a firehouse. And I do it now. And I, I wrote about it in our book. Chief Benny Crane is passed on for Chicago. Talk a I would try to get to a department like the day before, the day before, just to sneak in and see who I'm dealing with. And he's like, "Rick, you're wasting your time." I go, "What do you mean, Chief?" He goes, "Just get there 10 minutes earlier than you normally do." And I go, "But well, how am I know I'm dealing with a real, real firefighters? Because you know, there's, you know, they're right. There's pretend firefighters. They got the ball caps and all the stuff. <laughs> right. But they're not real firefighters." He goes, "No. Walk in. Walk in the apparatus bay. Stop, as soon as you walk in, stop. Take a smell. There's a smell like a firehouse." He goes, "You'll know what I mean by smell." He goes, walk over to the engine. He goes, look at the, he goes, is it, is it filthy? Are oh, the tools rusted? Open up one only one compartment, tells you about the rest of the rig. Walk over, to, look at their hose bed. He goes, see how their hose beds are finished out. Does it look like the pumper threw up its hose? You ever pull up next to a pumper in an and it looks like the pumper went, and threw up its fire hose. He goes, go, look at, walk over to the officer's seat. Look and see how he or she has the cab organized. He goes, there's officers that jump in the morning hope stuff just magically jumps in their fingers. Look at their air pack straps. Look at their coat. Do they have their coat on the side? Do they have their radio strap over it, which means they have to put it on ahead of time like we should be. Look at their bunker pants, how they have rolled down. Do they have their hood pulled through their bootstrap? I go, what? He goes, where do you keep your hood? I go, through my bootstrap. He goes, why do you do it? I said, because the first thing I put on. He goes, are their are there boots facing the door? He goes, again, I'm not talking walk around a white glove inspect. He goes, Take a smell does it smell like a firehouse. And, and he went on with a little more. And he has been so right. Like you said, you see these little, what do they call them? Tells about people, little right. tell. You, know? yep. you walk right now, I'm bouncing through firehouses in my head that I've been in that I'm like, I love going to. Right. I love CNR. What do they put on the wall next? And what do they do? And they got motivational sayings and not the phony, you know, like the one I, I always just left, the courage one you know, the big motivation like courage. And it's, it's two firefighters with fog streams with a guy walking to the propane training tank. I'm like, w- 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 yeah. no. like really, you know, I mean, I'm talking, you know, the family stuff, even pictures of kids and their stuff and pub, I mean, just, they hung up, the kids did a drawing. They actually hung it up on the Baltimore, the wall. And just, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I, God, you're so right with that. You can just tell right away if they're into a the job. You know, right. real quick pride, you know, I, I used to use this definition of my daughter's softball team, right? You know, like there's always, all, all high schools have a mascot, right? So there's lion pride, bobcat, bobcat pride, whatever. And Louisville, Texas, one of the oldest high schools north of the, you know of Dallas, um, they were the Louisville, they are the Louisville fighting farmers. Well, there hasn't been a couple hundred thousand people, there hasn't been a farm there in like a thousand years, but they're the fighting farmers. And everything's right. Farmer pride, farmer pride. So I'm, I'm coaching the varsity softball team, and, uh, and uh, we have little five minute little leadership talks. You know, at the end of where we can sit down, and talk, beginning after, yep. and, uh, on the bucket, and, and one of them was asked about the whole pride ownership thing about pride, and I, and I stuck a saying up there. It's been around for a long time. I've used it for a long time. My pro about what is pride, and I just painted on the wall, awkward What is farmer pride? And we talk about it's, it's something that's difficult to explain from the inside, you know, looking out, the outside looking in. Pride is a personal commitment. It's not, a, there are no such thing, right, as proud teams. There's there's, there's 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 proud individuals, not the pride associated with arrogance, the pride associated with ownership. Proud individuals that make up awesome teams. Yep. Well, pride is a personal commitment. It's what, it's what the, the difference between, you know, defines us between excellence and mediocrity. And, and basically it's not about, being better than someone else it's about being better yourself because there's always gonna be someone smarter faster whatever it's what are you doing how many how many frank for school classes are you going to you know and and and, and how many programs how many books are you reading? what are you doing training wise to make you better um you, you know what i'm saying and, and it, it's just it's a personal thing that you have to take on you know
1: yeah. You know, it's funny because we, you mentioned earlier, um, we were soldiers. And so let's talk about General Hal Moore for a moment. And he talks about leaders, principles of conduct in battle. And, and he talks about some great things, but he specifically talks about how, how you basically make decisions based off your instincts and how we develop our instincts. And how do we develop our instincts? Well, it's what we read, it's what we—it's our experiences. Life experiences is, is the foundation of it. So when we talk about things like situational awareness, well, I don't have the same situational awareness or the same instincts as Rick Lasky. And I could be working with five firefighters that I've worked with for two years straight, but we're gonna have different perspective on things, right? But that instinct now is shaped by not just our experiences, but like you said, what we read, the classes we take, the education that we go above and beyond for, and that's that, that is all packaged into that company pride too. You know, what are you doing to make this group better? Everybody plays a role, just like every teammate on any team plays a role.
0: Oh, exactly. We, we see it. You, everybody out there sees it, unless you're walking with blinders on right. you know, in life, you see what your firehouse and my thing is when we show up, what do you you want to look? Do you want to look like, you know, the village idiots getting off there? I mean, is your, how's your rig look? How's your firehouse look? How's your uniform look? How do you represent yourself? When you get off, are you ready to do battle? Are you dressed, turnout gear, tools, ready to go do, you know, I mean, all you gotta do, I love YouTube. I know you do too, but all you gotta do is go to YouTube and you can see some very embarrassing moments with some people obviously have, number one, it's all about leadership, poor leaders and, they don't train. You can see it how they stretch hose or I should say how they don't stretch hose in some cases. Um, you know, it's very easy to see it. You and I being involved in sports, I think we we love to, we appeal to the competitiveness of it. Not the stupid competitiveness, but I don't want to be picked last. You know, I was never picked last. They you all know, the sports. I was never, I was never ever picked last. I want to, when I show up at a fire, I I want, I want, I want, uh, I want the chief say last game. No, you stay all right. I ask you, bring your crew, come up here. And and I've had to do that. I've done it where I've turned around and said, come on. You know, we had a couple kids, four and a six-year-old in a, in a building, and uh, we had to do a quick ventilator search. And I turned around, I had three captains standing there with their crews. One of them was like this, big eyeballs. The other one, I wouldn't let walk my dog, okay? He, he refuses to train. He sleeps in recliner all day long. And the other was my union president, Calvin Allen. Man, I looked at, I said, Cal. And I didn't even get Calvin out of my mouth. He goes, "I'm all over a boss." And he went, but oh, two kids come flying out, bellies out, as it flashes. And I, I, mean, I don't want to be picked last. I, I, I want, I want people to go. Well, look at that team. Look at, look at those guys. I mean, you know, you know, what I'm saying, you want to create the atmosphere. Who wants to play for the last place baseball team? Nobody. You know, what I'm saying. I mean, I, you know, people are attracted to want to be with those that are successful. I, I think it, most of them are, and those that are doing good things. I mean, who, like I said, who wants to be with the, you know, the band of misfits kind of running around just kind of hoping things happen for a reason, so.
1: Right, and everybody plays a role in in creating that winning environment for sure. Uh, You know, a word that popped up earlier was was culture, and I find it really interesting because I've been out to the Dallas area quite a bit. Um, Addison, Flower Mound. I can tell you this, every time I go out there, I say, how far is Hard Eight from here? Because we're going to Hard Eight for some lunch. <laughs> but uh, what, what a great great barbecue out there. But here's what I want to talk about with Texas. When I go out to Texas, there is a sense of, of pride that firefighters have. But more importantly, there's a sense of respect that the public Gives the firefighters, and I'll tell this story. Um, Where we go to lunch, it's me and probably about seven firefighters. I was actually out in Addison with uh, Chief David Jones, uh, who's a great, great, great chief, great guy, great friend. But a group of us had gone out to lunch, and as we're having lunch, a man walks over to the table, and it was a Mexican restaurant. A man walks over, and he hands the only guy with the white shirt at the table. Uh, one of the chief officers, he hands him an envelope and says, hey, I just want to say thank you for your service. And the chief says, thank you. And the guy walks out the door. He never opens the envelope. They take the envelope and they pass it all the way down to me, the only guy that's not dressed in a firefighter outfit. Here I am in, in a suit. And I go, what's this? They said, open it. I open it up and it's actually a gift card for that restaurant. And I thought, did that guy just pay for it? this meal they said no you're paying for the meal right now i said that that's remarkable i said because there there's a time and there's some states that if you go out with a group of firefighters in uniform and you're having lunch you won't get someone paying for your meal what you're going to get is somebody saying well there's my taxpayer dollars hard at work thank you for nothing you know we you know especially in the northeast we do have some of that that happens and and sometimes it's tongue in cheek but what i took away from that is is I thought well that's pretty remarkable because I know how the majority of people would treat a group of Navy SEALs like hey thank you for your service just as an example, but when I see the way that they treat that they treat firefighters out in Texas at least from my experience and you that's what I want to talk to you about is it really like this or did you to just have an, an unusual experience? You know, but in my experience, I thought it's pretty impressive.
0: You know I, I I'll say this selfishly being you know being ra- born and raised in Southside Chicago I've been out here in Texas now since two thousand. Um, there is that whole Texas sense of pride, you know, the Lone Star State. And, you know, they always tell you, they always remind you that we're a Republic. We can succeed anytime we want and all this stuff. And anybody North of the red river, which is our border, Oklahoma is a Yankee. And I think I, I was allowed to come in here. They were at their Yankee quota already, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, there, there is a lot of that. There is a, a lot of, uh, of, of that. And I won't say in an arrogant way, um, you know there's a lot of heart, like there, but you know, I, I'm sitting here as you're saying that. I'm going, but I, but I, God, you and I, we've been to so many places where I've met people just, j- just, just like the people live here in Texas, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, yeah, and, and I've been places now. There's always gonna be that person that comes up and says, you know, there's my tax dollars, you know, in the grocery store. Oh, sure, but night that my tax dollars are gonna pay for your groceries. So, no, ma'am, they don't. We pay for our own, really, yeah, we have to eat too, we're at the fires for 24 hours. And, you know, how do we go grocery shopping for five or seven guys the day before? We're still in service. We still go to our calls. In fact, we're even fast because we're out the door. Oh, I didn't know that because I think we do a very, very, very poor job of marketing the fire service. We just expect people to go, there's the heroes. We don't explain to them why we go to the grocery store. We don't explain to them why we send a fire engine with an ambulance because about patient, you know, quality care. We don't explain a lot of those things. I always say this real quick. Butte County, you've seen his video. I say it every time I can because I did an article about going to the grocery store. If you, every firefighter, every officer, every rookie, every chief should watch the video footage. If you remember when the guy was tearing into the officer from Butte County about being at the grocery store, Yep. and the professionalism he was fantastic. Oh, fantastic. Exactly. And Everybody should watch that. And the guy wasn't mad that they were at the grocery store. He he wasn't mad that he thought they passed another one because he, he had already tore into another engine he saw. He was mad because they raised their his fire tax. That was the whole bottom line behind it. Right. But you're gonna. I think you're gonna run into those people all over the place. Um, I know in Idaho. I spent you know my time there as chief. Spent, in Idaho, they love their firefighters. I, I know they. You know, I think it, it's like anywhere else, Frank. When you live somewhere for a while, sometimes you take things for granted. You know, it, the, the edge wears off and you go
1: yeah.
0: and then you go a place, you go, wow, but you know, I, I've been to New York many times, my best friend, John. So I've been to Jersey and I know how protective people are of their firefighters. They're volunteers. Oh my god, they're they're so protective of the volunteer fire companies and people show up. It, at every fundraiser to help support their volunteers yeah. and things. And so, yeah, you know, there, there is, a, there, I think there is a lot of the Texas pride here, but, you know, like you, I, I see it all over the country. And, you know, it's, you yeah. know, I think there's a lot of people that support it. But it, it is, well, cool listen,
1: it is very cool. I know we are among always on that list of respected professions. Uh, fire service is always up there. And now, and that's something worth talking about because here we are in a society today that, And I blame social media and the media in general for this really, but people are being less tolerant of opposing point of views. It's my way. And people it seems like people don't even want to hear the opposing point of view, even when they listen to the news. It's the channel that they want to hear. And and if you disagree with them, I I always uh, give the example of at every political election, take presidential elections. People don't post positive things about the candidate that they are supporting They They all, always post negative stuff and tell everybody that's supporting that person why they're an idiot for doing so, <laughs> right? And because of that, it seems like there's less tolerance for opposing points of view. and And I'm trying to constantly remind firefighters that's not what we're about. We don't care about the race, the religion, or any of that stuff. We care about who's in trouble and what do I need to do to help because they're like you said, in your book, when people have their worst moment, we have to have our best.
0: Oh, exactly. Their
1: worst day is our best day.
0: I think about what that says about a profession that we have to train to be our best when someone's at their worst. And, you know, I mean, there are people that call us out, you know, and they, they have fun and they bring their kids by for birthdays or things and all that stuff. But when our red lights and sirens are on, it's not because, you know, well, we're responding somewhere. Forget the praise that we're not going there you know usually for like happy joyous times. somebody's sick someone's house on fire there's a problem there's a gassing or whatever but but you're right it's 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 uh it's all about you know what you're doing for the pu- i i say this all the time about uh, about the whole public servant thing the moment you screw the helmet to your head you became a public servant it's not about us it's about them and you mentioned about the whole disagreement thing you know the the great late god rest of saw love and one of my mentors chief tom brennan said a long time ago and he wasn't the first one to say it, it, it why can't we agree to disagree why do i have to be wrong for you to be right you know why you know what's the a while we just have to have and, and and you know remember the great john mittendorf i love john and we've done a lot of programs together i remember we used to do the the whole ventilation i we i'd do vertical he would do ppv and we'd go back and forth and we would have fun, but when we were done, you know, we we're still buds, you know. And, and uh, I think, I think, sadly, Frank, we've lost a lot of that where people are, the, 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 a lot of good people are afraid to say something because the bullies and the thugs are going to just pound them, you know, pound them into the ground. And, you know, in the moment you stand up, you get, you get the crap beat out of you, you know, and it's sad to, to see that, you know.
1: Yeah, it, it is sad to see that. And I think what firefighters, we, I think we pretty much set the bar, overall in society for respect for camaraderie for that brotherhood sisterhood but i don't want to see a generation of firefighters now down the line at any point come a, come a, along and, and be the ones that forget that right. to, be the, to be the ones that maybe use social media and take that video you talked about earlier on youtube post it on social media and start bashing the brothers
0: or sisters in that video does that make sense if you watch that i'm like why, 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 why do you you call yourself a brother or sister? Look, I have no problem saying you know uh, I would have rather re- you know in light of the cancer awareness I'd rather see they have their face views on sooner. I can I, I I get that, but when you're calling them names and you know and cursing at them and I'm like really what tattoo do you have on? What shirt are you wearing? Right. You know i I just really just if you can't say nothing. Now we did a whole show once on the bullies and thugs and the Facebook firefighters. Those that Really, you got a dumpster fire under your belt and you're, you're tearing into them. You know, be constructive, not destructive, right?
1: Yeah, the keyboard commanders. I have a friend that, that works at a very busy department and there was a, a awesome photo of him taken, uh, but he's, uh, he's opening some windows up uh, at a fire that, I mean, it's, it's fully involved and he doesn't have a tank on and he just starts getting abused um, on social media not with people not knowing the story behind why he doesn't have a tank on because there was an arsonist walking around lighting fires up for the past 24 hours and they had no air left all he's trying to do is 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 vent make access and let them get some water on that fire but he had a great comment though because uh he said to one of the one of the ones that commented uh negatively about him he said listen son i don't know how long you've been a firefighter but i guarantee you that building has seen more fire than you have in your career
0: <laughs> <laughs> was well, it what's the saying i got i got more time waiting for water than you got in the firehouse yeah but, but it, it and i actually used the picture of my book not to keep going back to my book thing but if you remember bill manning was so tired of the every time you put a picture on the cover he didn't have his left glove on his hood wasn't around his ear this whatever so if you remember the white cover he the white cover is a fire engineering, and if for those, you know, you can Google it, or if you have a copy of my book, or whatever, I, I talk about it. He said, here's your perfect fire ground. And it's a fire engineering, the only fire engineering cover that is totally blank, except for the mast. you know, fire uh-huh. there's no uh-huh. picture. It's a, it's a white cover. He goes, there you go. There's your perfect fireground. Have at it. And I'm sure somebody was critical of the tactics, the strategy used on a blank cover. There's somebody's going to make up something. Well, if there was a picture, they'd probably do this wrong. You know, it was like, really? you know, I don't know how you can, you can, you know, put all the stickers on your car and all this stuff and just turn around and trash talk your so-called brothers and sisters. I just, I, anyway.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think that comes down to, again, the example that other people are setting. And I'm, I get this question quite often and I'm actually curious if you get it, because I'm sure that you get a tremendous amount of people that just send you a random email and hey, chief, I read your book and I have a question. But one of the, and I think this is the question I receive the most, which is um, I'm having challenges with someone I work with with a negative attitude. Now, sometimes it's the boss or their direct supervisor or the chief. Sometimes it's the new firefighter or whatever it may be. So they can be anywhere in there and they're always complaining about a negative attitude. And what can I do to deal with this? Do you get that question
0: a lot? Oh, I I get it so much, and like you do, I get God, you know the emails, and I probably get two or three a week that are the 10, 15 page long emails of this is going wrong. That being said, I actually did it. I did an article, and I do a class on it called Firehouse Survival: Us Versus Them. And the article they changed it the editors to dealing with him because they didn't want to do us versus them. But anyway, real quick, it I just. It was just a weird thing, Frank, the response was I sent you, I say, look what I pasted below, take a look. It's worked for me. It's worked for other people. And if you looked at it, all three were broken into sections and each section's centered around one word. And just coincidentally, the words all started with the letter P. So I talk about the three P's of surviving the firehouse, passion, perseverance, and patience. And I talk about, you know, passion being the foundation for everything besides your core values you know if you don't love what you do you suck you can't you can't be great at anything you love to do I won't even give you okay and I don't want to be just okay you know you can't be great at anyth- great at anything that you don't love to do and then the, you know the perseverance and the patience and all that but yeah I get that all the time how do I deal with I, either with a bad boss someone who's not gay the best advice I ever got Frank from one of my mentors a long time ago because I would get frustrated with bosses who didn't care I get frustrated with people that were with me my rank that didn't care was worry about the things you can fix, not things you can't. Yep. We waste more positive energy on stuff we have no control over. You know, that, worry about yourself first, make sure you're into the job, you're doing everything you can to project that positive image and the people around you are seeing that. and the younger guys and gals are following your lead. And then you can start worrying about other people, but there's some people you just, you just, you're just not gonna change. And, you know, we waste more time trying to fix stuff that we have no control over. And I think sometimes you said it earlier, when you lead with that, Eddie Buchanan leading with attitude, when you lead with that positive energy, when you lead with that, that when you live your life and they see you living those, a life of with core values that mean something like integrity, honor, and all, you know, it, it, those different things, Some people are going to draft off of that, you know. And, you know, how about you be the best firefighter you can be? Be the end of the job I worked for a god-awful Frank. I worked for a god-awful, horrible, horrible, horrible fire chief that should be in jail for what he did. And I found myself for about six months letting him reach into my heart and steal my passion. And it took a mentor to slap me and say, Rick, you're letting a mutt reach into your heart and steal your passion for what you love to do? Stop that. That's being weak. You're you're being a weakling. And I'm like, no, you're being weak. You don't ever, ever let anybody reach into your heart and steal your passion for what you love to do. Don't do that. And I'm like, well, how do I deal? So we talked about how you deal with that. You know, I think that's the first thing is to grab a hold of and wrestle back what you love. I think yeah. when you're really a passion, right? When you're passionate about something, you love it, you tend to fight off the knuckleheads and the nonsense. And you know you know what I'm saying? It's like when you're really tired, things bother you more, you know, or you, yeah. you have a weak moment. If you're into the job, if you're into whatever it is you're doing, it, I think it makes it easy to deal with the butts and the misfits out there. You, you, some of them you're not going to change. So what you have to do is kind of organize your troops, right? Your people, your yeah. own troops, yourself going, okay, so what do I have to do to deal with this, 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 this? I- I'm not going to show up and waste another day being miserable here, period. You know, and I, I think that's sometimes the best way, you know, what firefighter is going to change their chief as much as you think you right. might. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, it's 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 virtually impossible to lead that far up the chain of
0: command. Or to, really. how, about a, how about a guy on your shift, Frank, that just doesn't care? And right. no matter what you do, you know. R- real quick, I know we're we're limited on time, but uh, we had uh, Alan Brunicini, my, my surrogate Godfather, on our show, and we we were allowed the three hours of live time, but we were like three seconds running short. But I, I saw that the phone number come up in the queue, and I'm texting John Salka, my partner. I'm going, "Oh God, did you see who's?" I'm like, "I know what he's gonna do. I know what he's gonna do. so fine." I said, "I know who it is." I said, "Who's got the?" I'm just making it up. "Who's got the nine four zero Ericode?" Who's with us? Oh, the chief. I know. I said, hey, I'm blah 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 blah. And he goes, I got a question for you, maybe Chief, 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 Chief. I'm a lieutenant on B shift, and, and my buddy's a lieutenant C shift. Now the lieutenant A shift, this guy, he's just not, you know. He went out off this guy, and we've taken the breakfast, and we've tried to change him, and, and we tried to coach him into being a better officer, and a guy of and he goes to, the, and I'm, I'm going to John. Here it comes, here it comes. I'm texting him. Here it comes, here it comes. And he's going through this long thing of how he and his partner have been trying to change this other lieutenant. And finally, he says Chief Bruno, City advice." And I'm going to do this without cursing. I'll do some abbreviations. <laughs> Bruno says, "What shift are you on?" He goes, "He goes, I'm on B shift." He goes, "Worry about your own GD shift." And it was silent. And I texted to John Salka. "Boom." I go, "There it is." And Bruno goes, "Really? Why you worried about this other guy? Worry about your shift first. Worry about any." And then he brought it around. And I'm like, "There's some people you're hoping that maybe one day they'll fall off or whatever is." pushing them to that, you know, negative side, we'll suck it back into our Stephen Covey's, right? You know, positive circle. Uh, but,
1: but, no, think- but you're but you're right there because you you're control what you can control. And also know this, that person's not going to be there forever. And uh, I firmly believe, I know you do too, you could learn just as much from a bad, poor, or ineffective leader as you can from a good, credible, successful leader. You can
0: learn what not to do. Right, right, right. Exactly. And I, I saw a time, I always ask this class, who's it easy to learn from, a good boss or a bad boss? Think about your answer from a bad boss. Look, you can learn from a good boss, how they wear their uniform, how they treat their subordinates, how they treat the public, how they treat the job, what time they show up, all those great things. But sometimes with good bosses, it's like peeling back an onion. You have to really, I say, you ever, you ever wonder why the shift just flew by or drill like just flew by? A lot of times that's due to a, a, a good boss, a great company officer, a chief that allows that to happen. Well, and I, I tell people, I say, you want to know how to learn from a bad boss? Here's the easiest thing: take your pad of paper, draw a line down the middle. All day long, with that pad of paper, your pen, follow this guy or gal around, it, and everything they do, write down on the left hand side. Oh, you called me a jerk. You did this. You did a, you know, but well, we didn't train it. And then at the end of the day, draw an arrow on the right hand side to that stuff, and just put down, don't do that shit. And there you go. <laughs> And, and, and seriously, you've been—you've been, you've been instead of complaining about working for a bad boss, it's a blessing. You have been blessed. There is not a college course that will provide you with the leadership lesson you're going to get working for a so working for a bad boss. So you know what? You be, look up at and say, "Ah, you're sneaky. I get this. You put me with him so I can learn." And that—that's that, it. Otherwise, you can, we could all go, "Oh, woe is me! I got a bad lieutenant." You know, you know what? have your little pity party and go, ah, you know what? This is a lesson, I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna turn what he's doing around and make me a better boss.
1: And you know what's great is that uh, that you don't, you can, have, you can find mentors, people choose their own mentors. I like to talk about a mentorship program where somebody's coming out to the fire department, I'll assign them a mentor for six months, but you can't assign somebody a mentor for life. People choose well, their own mentors. And well, you, for example, you have been a mentor to me long before I ever met you because I read your book, I listened to your class. And I learn, and I say, well, and and mentorship for me, you can have twenty five mentors of people you want to emulate the way this person does that or that person does this, and and if you don't have that strong leadership presence in your fire station to learn from, well, the information's still there. You just have to go seek it, and right. then be that example for
0: someone else. Right. Bruno used to say, you can't poop up. He used to mm-hmm. use the other word. You get, you know, it all. It all I, I'm sorry, it all, it all, you know, so what happens, you have that bad boss, then someone else has to step up and be the good one. You know, and we always talk about, right, you don't have to respect the person, but you must respect the rank. So, you know what, I can't change that. What I can do is take all the, those valuable lessons of getting work for that person and make me better. And if you're a boss, you don't ever bitch down. You don't ever bitch, right? You don't ever, don't ever, 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 ever bitch down your people. You're the person with your hand on the morale crank or the morale siren yep. crank. You're the one that should be right. You're the one that comes back. You can't we do this. You know what? Let's not worry about that right now. Let's let's do this. Come on. We're going to have lunch. We're going to do this here. And, I, right, I used to leave, I'm sure you did. I used to leave City Hall going, I used to drive around for 45 minutes going, how am I going to sell this to my guys? Golly, man. Because it would have been so easy to go, I don't know. You know what they want back there, Right.
1: Right. It's not, yeah, because you have to be the one that, you, you know, you're supporting the decision because it's coming from your organization, but you may not always believe in every decision.
0: You follow, you, right? You follow orders. It's the same yep. in Private Ryan. Why don't yep. you ever bitch, bitch Cat? Because I don't bitch out to you. I bitch up. Yep.
1: Grapes <laughs> go up, not down. <laughs> yeah, what a great, great lesson. I call it negative up, positive down. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, so, well, let me, I want to ask you this, actually, because uh, being an author, being a speaker, uh, being a guy who served every
0: position in the fire
1: service. Um, how do you deal with critics?
0: Kind of the same way before about worry about the things you fix, not things you can't. You know, um, I've been criticized as uh, being too into the job. I've been criticized, uh, you know, I, look, I'm, I always said I'm the most flexible fire chief I know. Don't lie or steal. You lie or steal, i am done with you Forever. Forever. Forever smash your rig up have a dependency problem we'll get you help whatever liar steal i'm done with you you know violate someone's rights that's always the biggie but liar steal I'm done. but you know the critics i've had people talk you know i've had chiefs get upset and throw out the, the dvds you know of, of pride and ownership that's just bs and all this stuff and you know because i have no problem bashing chiefs because you know if you can't take it then you know maybe you stood in the wrong line you got promoted up beyond your capabilities but um I'm a, first of all, I'm not perfect. I'm the least know-it-all, least egotistical person I know. I, I use the saying all the time, egos, eat brains You know, I, I get tired on, on social media. I, I see Chiefs out there, and I, I'll never, ever mention anybody by name. But I see these guys. I don't know how you can post a picture yourself holding the award you got from the Kiwanis group that you just did a luncheon talk. They gave you the pencil kit that they give everybody. And you go, such an honor to be honored to the leadership of uh, so honored and humbled, and we did a show on it once before. I, I've posted, "Hey, it was an honor to be uh, made an honorary member of the such-and-such Such fire department." No problem. I think that's cool. But when you put the word "humbled" in there, yet yeah, you're putting your own picture of you. I, I, I don't. I, there's some guys that, yeah, you know, it, it's it's been it's been four and a half years, and th- four and a half and three months and seven days since I was made fire chief, and I'll tell you. I'm so thankful, blessed for all the people who've helped me through. I'm like, so I I think some of them really have long arms. uh, uh, But that being said, I've never been one of them. I I, I make fun of myself every day. I think there's people out to take themselves way too seriously. Um, Nobody's perfect, you know. I've never done well with pompous people, and. I, I like hanging out with regular people. The, 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 what I mean by that is those that are grounded, you know, yourself, yeah. Salka, about. you know, our circle of friends. That's like, yeah, you know, we're just when people say, oh, Chief, you know, me, thank you so much. And you're like, dude, I'm just a firefighter, loves what I do. Right. I, you're, you're, yeah. right? you're <laughs> yep. All about the passion. I love what I do, you know, and instead of all the other guys that are, they're doing more to, to pump up their own you know, self-promotion banner than they are about sending a message out. But, you know, I, I think sometimes, Frank, you know, this, I think you probably teach about too. Sometimes you need to pay attention to critics because I think sometimes they, some of them are hateful. Some of them might be sending you little messages that maybe you need to back up a little bit and, you know, reset something or whatever that. Yep maybe you are walking down the wrong path or maybe you are coming across the wrong way. I've, I've, I've corrected a couple of things I do in my programs. I used to say something a certain way. I used to teach instructor one in in the late eighties and early nineties used to teach people about trigger words, right? You know, you know, when you say, I'll use an example. Well, once in a while you get caught saying something simple things like not saying firemen anymore, saying firefighters, you know, it's, it's, 2021, there's been female firefighters in the fire service a long time. And, and it's, it's some of our, our, you and I's great friends and they're, they kick ass. I mean, they're just, I don't care who you are, where you come from, what what color you are, what religion you are, what upbringing, what, how tall you are, how short you are. If you've got passion, if you've got heart, you can work for me. You know, and you and I grew up the same way. My, my high school yearbook picture looks like the League of Nations. If we didn't like you, it's because you were an asshole. It wasn't because of whatever. I had all different friends, you know what I'm saying? And I think we have to get back to that and just, you know what, a firefighter is a firefighter. Treat them like a firefighter. If you're a brother, you're a brother. If you're a sister, you're a sister. If we're a family, we're a family. But I do think sometimes their critics have a way of, of, if you can separate those that are just being the haters versus those that you go, you know, it's like when you go to FDIC, Frank Wright, when you're sitting down at the speaker writing room, you read your class reviews, yeah, yeah, oh, you know, five's great, 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 oh, great, oh, we love him. Oh, he's the great, 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 great. Ooh, ooh, I got to look at this one, right? Some of them are they're complaining about the room temperature or whatever, but once in a while you go, oh, I said that wrong, or oh, maybe I did, you know, maybe I did, re- you know, you know what I'm saying? That's how no,
1: I do. Yeah, you're talking about those couple of reviews you want to fold up and stick in your pocket. Those reviews.
0: Yeah, but uh-huh. you know what? Those are the ones Salka says all the time. That's the first ones I look at. Yeah, you know, if there's any validity to it, and what do have to change. So. You
1: know no, actually, you, you covered it pretty well because that's how I look at it. You, you try to kind of tune a lot of it out, but this is what I say listen to what they say, but don't let it stop you from going where you're going. Exactly,
0: you know, it, it, it exactly. I mean, they, there's all these different phrases about it. you get knocked down, get back up, whatever. You know, if you're if you with your heart on your sleeve in the fire service, you stood in the wrong line. You know, people are going to say things to you that are hurtful the public, your bosses, people you work with. If you're a sensitive soul, work on that because you're going to have you're going to be miserable with stomach aches and everything else. Because sometimes people aren't nice, as much as you want to think everything's Sesame Street and blues clues, it's you know, be prepared for the real world. You know, how many times have you seen that Rocky Balboa speech? He's telling his kid, You know, life yeah. is hard, He's gonna yeah. knock yeah. you down. Yeah, you no, know, it's true. You know, there, I, I, I like to think there's more good people than bad, I think people have more good them than bad. I think that's how you. You reason with everything, but, you know, lessons learned, everybody.
1: Yeah, no, I I would agree with that as well. Let me ask you uh, this question. Uh, A while back, uh, I had co-authored this article called um, 25 Things Every Probationary Firefighter Should Know and Do. And I had written it with uh, Deputy Chief Mike Turpek, who you know. Right. And we listed these 25 things because this started with a conversation with him and I one day over a cup of coffee where we're sitting down talking about, I wish I knew this when I became a firefighter. And and I said, well, we ought to write this article. And we just listed a bunch of things real quick and, and wrote this. What advice would you give uh, a brand new firefighter? Someone, I mean, literally, their first day is tomorrow. And I've heard you give these speeches before, but, but what advice would you give a brand new firefighter whose first day is in the fire station? They don't know anything about the culture, what's expected of them, what would you say to them?
0: Well, quit saying I'm doing this again Next week uh, for Wichita Falls, I do the first day. I do our history. This should be day one of the fire academy. But the first day, I tell them is 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 get into the job, okay? You know the best way the best way for a pro to be a rookie recruit whatever you call them, the best way to fit in is to do your job. The best way to do your job is fit in. Don't tell any stories. Um, be the kind of rookie firefighter that has to be ordered to take a break, and you'll take the break, but you won't sit down. Be the kind of rookie firefighter the other shifts. Are jealous of you know they're like oh, why do they always get the good ones you know why don't you know be be the rookie firefighter that the officers maybe not in front of you all the time kid they're bragging about you see the kid we got man this he's he she she won't stop working man she's always you know what well I, where, where's she at all right go, go go she's on the floor cleaning the tool painting something doing something you know be into the job get into the job love the job be passionate about what you do you know um I think passion drives everything, right? I said it before, passion drives everything. Learn, read something about this job every single day. You know, you and I have been doing this a long time. I'm closing in on 44 years, if you cannot explore. And I read stuff every day about this job. And I, I read stuff going, I, I never heard that before. You know, yep. I I think when you start to, to, to read and believe your own newspaper clippings, you can kind of block out some good stuff coming in. Keep an open mind be a true brother, be a true sister, you know, love this job, remember it's always about those people out there. It's always about them. You and I exist for the communities we serve. Um all those different things, Frank, bottom line is if you're in love with the job, if you're passionate about what you do, I think the re- I think the rest of it comes easy. Yeah. The rest of the stuff comes easy if you're into the job.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And like you mentioned, we're out there dealing with people's problems. And this is something that I am trying to really explain to people that are new firefighters is you, it's not their problem that you're out there solving. You've chosen to inherit their problem as your own. So when you show up on that call, again, they're having the worst day or moment
0: of their life. And and Frank, right? Sorry, but it can be the most ridiculous thing in your head. Go, I cannot believe they called us for this but it's the biggest thing going on in their life at the moment.
1: Right, right. Well, it's just like somebody else's trash is somebody else's treasure, right? Exactly. No, no, I get that. I, I totally understand that. Uh, let me ask you this question now. What advice would you give a brand-new officer?
0: Advice to a brand-new officer, and I do this quite often, obviously, it's about your people. Take care of your people. Number one, take care of your people. Um, you know, the, you should already be passionate. All the things you talk about with the rookie, be passionate, be into the job, learn, be a student of the game, all those different things. It's about the public and all that. The moment you become an officer, it, it, we do our one, one of our three-day company officer academies. A guy came up not too long ago because we mentioned it over the three days over. He, we're doing the diplomas at the end. We give him our, our lapel pins and their you know graduation. And he came up and he leaned over. This is obviously before really big with the COVID. He leans over and he goes, it was 57 times, Chief. I said, what? Well, he goes, you and Chief Salk over three days have said 57 times in Different ways, it's about your people. It's always about your people. It's always about you guys. It's always about this. You know, in the Marines, the, the, the newest Marine eats first, the Commandant leads. You know, the, the, your, your people eat first. They get the hot shower first. They're the ones that get this. If there's not enough food, they eat first. You, you figure out what you're going to do for yourself. It's like a good parent. You know, your kids yeah. come first, the people come first. And I, and I, I, again, if you take everything we talked about as the rookie, the probie, that you should already have in your daily routine and now you're okay now i'm in charge of people if you take care of them you're taking care of their families you can't take care of their families without taking care of them and, and that means you're training them you're leading them you're there early you listen to them uh you know all the things we teach in leadership programs i think the most important thing to do is is because we already said hit those earlier things it's about your people your people come first
1: your people got love that. And I know you're big on this. So I'm big on this too. A firefighter has
0: two families,
1: the one at home and at one at that station. And the it's all. Home, yeah.
0: No, go ahead. Go ahead. So I was going say the first family, it's one of the chapters of my book. The first family went home, the second family went to the firehouse. So when you confuse the second family and the first family, you can end up with an ex-wife who lives in Texas with your son, the reason we moved here, so.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, and it's all about relationships. You know, it really is. Leadership's about relationships, leading a team, uh, dealing with our community. And I think w- we all need to remind ourselves constantly. I had a friend that used to say this. Imagine that every single person you're talking to has a sign around them that says, make me feel important. And I thought, you yeah, know, that's pretty powerful. And this was a person, by the way, that I always felt better when I was in this, this guy's presence. He always made me feel good about myself. And that's what, what made me start asking questions like, what is it that you have that other people don't have? Because people gravitate towards you. And that's what he shared with me. And I thought, well, he does that because there's people that you'll spend time with that you love getting around and there's people that you avoid. Right you know, and, and if you can be one of those people that people love being around that, that means you're, you're probably doing something right in how you're making them feel about themselves. Exactly. Exactly. Right on brother. Hey, listen, I don't want to hold you anymore, but I could talk to you forever. <laughs> well, let's I, do this again. We'll do it yeah, again one day. I, I would love to do it again. Um, let me, let me just, uh, just end with this. Is there anything that you want to share with us? I'm going to ask how people can get a hold of you. Uh, but I, is there anything else that you want to share before we go there?
0: First of all, you know I, I, I was, before I even answer that part of it, Frank. I, you know, absolute honor to be here with you, buddy. You know how much I love you and uh, I love our relationship and your friendship and and uh, Same love what you do, dude. You're you're making a huge, huge difference, incredible difference in the fire service as well as in corporate America with our military. Because I know you're all over the place, but uh, uh, no, I'm I'm just I'm a big believer in loving what you do. Be the best you. Do. You know what? If I could finish with this, the The profession of being a firefighter, the professional firefighter, meaning volunteer or career, one gets paid, one doesn't. The position of firefighter is the coolest job in the world, man. It's the coolest thing you could do in the world. Remember that. Remember what people, how they they react to you, what little kids think about you, seniors think about you, what you mean to the public. You know, if you're waiting for the compliments and the awards and the pats on the back, you're going to be waiting a long time. It's not about that. Reset. Remember, it's always about those people out there and love the job with every ounce of energy and heart and passion you can.
1: I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, how can people get a hold of Rick Lasky?
0: I think two quick ways. Uh, first of all, I'm all over like you social media uh, com, all spelled out. Prideonownership.com is one of the websites. Or just shoot me an email, Chief Lasky, L A S K Y, Chief Lasky at gmail.com. It's a quickie.
1: Excellent. Well, Chief, thank you so much for your time. And I appreciate you coming on. God bless and you take care.
0: Frank, thank you. God bless you, buddy.